0: Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Oh, come on. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. If you would please stand for our hymn of celebration, number 696. special uh, rededication of our Peace Poll this morning, you will find an insert in your bu- bulletin. Uh, funny enough, walking from the 8 to the 9 o'clock service, I noticed that the beautiful Peace pole, which is in the planter, is hard to identify this morning. It's blocked off with our bulletin board and our message board, so on your way out, if you'd like to reconnect with the Peace pole. It is right behind all the big, bulky items in front of it with today's messages. And since I didn't know until this morning about a Peace poll, um this is certainly not an old guy's text size, font size, so bear with me. This Peace pole was placed on this spot several years ago on our Peace with Justice Sunday. It is a reminder to pray for peace, a need which is as prevalent today as ever, in every aspect of our lives, as well as for peace in the world around us. This peace bowl also stands to remind us of Jesus' message and life here on earth. Jesus spoke a message of peace in all that he did. He made the charge to all in the Sermon on the Mount on how we are to live when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. In this prayer of peace, may we also find comfort as we are reminded that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So on this weekend, we rededicate ourselves to seek and pray for peace and justice throughout this coming year in our lives and in the lives of others and in the situations around the world where peace is needed, that through our actions and prayers, we might be a witness to the experience of God's peace in new and glorious ways. On this day, we lift up the worries, hurts, fears, and anxieties we carry with us, that in you, O God, we might find peace that surpasses all understanding and gives us rest. On this day, we pray for our nation's leaders as we hear of the conflicts and struggles that arise. Though we might not always agree, we ask God to continue to grant us wisdom and direction to those who lead. On this day, we remember those around the world who are not free and those who live with the reality of war and unsafe situations. In the, midst, in the midst of all the news reports of those filled with anger and hatred causing harm to another, may your presence be felt. May prevail in our world. God grant us a heart to know you, a desire to follow and a willingness to demonstrate a peace that only comes from you, that we will be peacemakers guarded in heart and mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen as we come to our prayer hymn, would you please open your hymnals to number 437. gracious Father, we come before you, heads humbly bowed, seeking your comfort and love and strength for those in need today, those spoken and those unspoken. As we know, you know our hearts and you know our needs. We ask now that you'd surround these people, letting them sense your presence and the great blessings of love that you bestow upon all of us. And at the same time, we are here with a gratitude for the opportunity to worship and glorify you in celebration of all the wonderful life blessings we have, birthdays, anniversaries, friendships. May we not travel one day without being appreciative for these. And as we continue in prayer, We pray that prayer that your son Jesus taught us to pray, even while we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And now may the ushers come forward for the collection of our gifts, tithes and offerings. Our gracious Heavenly Father, please accept these, our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Please bless them and multiply them for use in your kingdom, in this community, and throughout the world. Through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just say, you're in for a treat.
1: so confused I know I heard you loud and clear so I followed through somehow I ended up here I don't want to think I may never understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan when I try to pray all I got is hurt and the more
2: words, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done.
1: I know you're good, but this don't feel good. I know you think of things I could never think about. It's hard to count it all joy, distracted by the noise, just trying to make sense of all your promises. Sometimes I got to stop, remember that you're God, and
2: I
3: Beautiful solo. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. From Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's word to God's people.
0: Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the reading of your word. We ask now that the word become more than words spoken or words heard, but words that find their way deep into our souls, and through us become the living word, just as your Son Jesus Christ was the living God, and through whose name we pray. Amen. One more thing you ought to know about our past pastors. This is not my first time at this pulpit, right? Well, normally you can reach down there and grab a nice, refreshing, throat-clearing bottle of water. They took all the waters, there's nothing here. But Boyd was so kind last service to get a good, nice Methodist cup of water. So good morning. good morning. Now I'm sure this will not come as a big surprise to you all, but I get so excited when I get the chance to preach that my brain starts going about 100 miles an hour, I get all these thoughts and concepts and topics and illustrations, Bible verses, practical life applications, and before you know it, I'm on overload. And I've come to realize for two simple reasons. One, because I just love to share the Word of God. And two, more important, because the child in me doesn't ever want to disappoint my father. So I've learned to accept this opportunity and the opportunity to preach with humility, praying on it, asking God for directions. But of course, for those of you that know me, the type A guy that I am, I never really stop thinking about what I believe should be the message or the topic of the sermon. But fortunately, through the glory, power, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the sermon finally gets refined over the course of time to the point of where it's finally ready to be preached. Here we are now. Because I actually began working on this sermon in May when we first learned that our new pastors would not be with us today. And it was coming along quite well until hearing Brian's sermon on anxiety about a month ago. Do you all remember that one? I think that was the finest sermon I've ever heard Brian preach. It was awesome. If you didn't hear it, there's an MP3 somewhere around. You can listen to it. But that's when the Holy Spirit led me down a completely different path. And one that we're going to share this morning. You see, at first I was working on a sermon I had titled, What is God's plan for my life? Which seems relevant and appropriate. As it is the question asked by so many people so often. Right? I have asked that question. And this $64 question is one for the ages because for some reason we feel entitled, like we have the right to know what the bigger plan is. So we go to great lengths in our quest to try and identify and grasp God's will and purpose for our lives. We ask the questions, where do I go to school? Who do I marry? What is my career? Where do I live? Should I buy, should I rent? Do I change jobs? It's like we become young children again, playing the game Mother May I? Or red light, green light. Do y'all remember those games? I'm glad we're peers because the young people would have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But I don't believe that God desires for us to live in a manner that requires a green light or a sign in order for us to make a decision and keep moving forward. Now, I'm not saying that signs don't occur, as you'll hear a little later on, and I'm certainly not saying that we shouldn't always be in prayer seeking guidance. But please understand what I am saying is that when we don't get a sign, that does not exempt us from using the brain and the talents that God gave us in order to make the best decision we can based on the available information at the time. Let's face it, life is a mysterious journey for every one of us. So why is it we're always looking for 100% certainty about our decisions? Is the right thing to do nothing when we have doubts? And it seems crazy, but so often we become paralyzed and freeze in our tracks while waiting for an answer, a sign, or a stamp of... Approval. And perhaps you've heard this next story. It's an old one, but it is the perfect example of what I'm talking about here. There's a nice old fellow sitting on his porch enjoying the rainfall. And after many hours, the water rose above the porch, started to enter the house. And down comes a boat with some people in and say, hey, come on in here. We'll rescue you. We'll save you. The guy says, no need. God will save me. Boat leaves. A few more hours go by. Now the water's up to the second floor. Another boat comes by and says, hop in. We'll save you. We'll take you to safety. And the guy says, no need. God will save me. A few more hours go by. The water's up over the roof. The old man's on the roof. A third boat comes by and says, hop in. It's not safe. You're in danger. Get in the boat. He said, it's all right. God will save me. Boat leaves. Guy drowns. Dies. Goes to heaven. Sees God. Says, hey God, why didn't you save me? In which God replied, what do you want? I sent you three boats. (laughs) Funny, but we may not be dealing with boats or floods, but we do the same thing. And think about it. Was Abraham given a road map when he left Ur? Was Moses handed a trip itinerary when he led the people out of Egypt? Did Joshua actually understand how the walls of Jericho were going to come down? Did Peter believe he could walk on water? Did Paul know what was ahead of him in Rome? Of course not. But that didn't stop them from moving forward and being productive, utilizing their gifts and talents in ways they believed were aligned with God's plan. You see, living in faith requires us to be fully committed through our participation within the body of Christ while serving in God's kingdom. Because one thing is for sure, and that is the fact that God's will and God's plan will be done. And this includes a role and a place for every one of us. That passage from Jeremiah 29, 11 is my favorite. It is, it is so comforting. For I know the plans I have for you. <clears throat> Not my worry anymore. So the title for today's message is Our Plan Versus God's Will. Are they different? Perhaps. Are they in conflict? Possibly. Will God align them Eventually. If we truly live in faith, then we certainly must understand that God has a master plan for all of us. And when we are ready in God's eyes, that plan gets rolled out. But in the meantime, we're instructed to be doing our part by preparing ourselves for our moment of call. Spending time in prayer, studying the Holy Scriptures, and loving one another while utilizing our God-given gifts and talents for God's glory and for the purpose of the kingdom. You see, God expects us to be active examples of love within the world. Matthew 25, 14 through 30 shares with us the parable of the talents. You remember that? That's where the two who did something with the talents were rewarded beyond belief while the one who did nothing out of fear of failure lost everything. And I think we complicate it. We make it too hard on ourselves actually believing we have ultimate control, driving us to try and discover or uncover some hidden message that needs to be revealed. I mean, really, stop. Think about it. Take a look around us today, palm reading tarot cards spiritual advisors all touting that they know the future that's not new there have been false prophets imitators and evil since the beginning of the time remember the serpent so friends loved ones church family i am here to remind us that I believe God has already revealed His will for us through the Holy Scriptures. Psalms 119, 105 reads, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So let's get in the word. Open your Bibles. Or use this. Come on, you know I'm getting good at this after last Saturday. Google it or use your app. That was a retirement celebration joke, sorry. Um, In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, 9, we read that Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, This then is how you should pray. And we all know the prayer that followed, the Lord's Prayer. We say it every Sunday Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe if we're really looking for God's plan or God's will for our lives, we can stop right there. Not that the rest of the prayer isn't important because it is, but rather because I believe that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is accomplished through us as we are the means through which the Spirit continues God's work. Don Underwood writes regarding the phrase, Thy will be done, that this is the vision and mission statement for the Christian life. Peter, from 1 Peter 4, 2, writes, They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So if we're to learn from Peter, then our faith and our choices should clearly illustrate our willingness and gratitude for the opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ in order that thy will be done. And as a result of this kind of faith, our relationship with God grows and becomes the most beautiful, wonderful thing one can experience, while at the same time requiring us to share with others the peace, hope, and love that is available to all from God. As it is written, God wants everyone to be saved. John 3.16, probably the most famous scripture of all time, reads, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But I'm here to say we must read on. Because verse 17 is just as important as it reads, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And Peter in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Not wanting anyone to perish. And first Timothy, this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus. And we could go on and on for hours. There's not another service. You got time? But I think the point we must understand is that only through our salvation in Christ, which restores our relationship with God, can we begin to truly understand God's will. Our purpose and role in living out thy will be done is accomplished through God's grace and love, which we receive through the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and works through us, Romans 8, 14 tells us, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And it is through this grace that we begin to be transformed in ways that move us each day closer towards becoming more Christ-like. A transformation that makes it possible for us to live as Spirit-filled believers making a difference by being that flavor-changing salt Loving all without exception or expectation of anything in return simply because we are loved. Stanley Grins writes, humans are the special recipients of God's love. God calls us to be his instruments in bringing about the divine vision of love, justice and righteousness for all humankind. Ultimately, this means we we no longer place our will at the top. Rather, our allegiance has noticeably shifted from one of this world to one of love of God and neighbor. In other words, from an inward focus of me to an outward focus of being and bringing all glory to God through our lives while living and working towards thy will be done. But it's not so easy. And can often put us on a collision course with the people around us who have yet to have their eyes open to the truth. But we mustn't be willing to compromise during times of challenges or suffering. We must not only finish the race, but we must finish strong. Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. All while in a gratitude and saying thanks for everything. 1 Thessalonians today, give thanks in all circumstances. Because good, bad, indifferent, whatever, we must believe that God is in control of everything and God has a plan and therefore our attitudes... And behaviors must exemplify the fact that we trust our God. And that's what Paul, Psalm 13 was saying today. I trust your unfailing love. I'm gonna share a personal story with you that some of you have heard before. Sorry for the repeat, but I believe it's worth repeating. When I re- returned to college to finish, to finish my college degree at age 47, <laughs> which is a whole other story in and of itself, anyways, I needed to finish a couple general education classes. And Biola was really cool about most of them letting me finish them online. But there was this one English class that they insisted I go sit in a classroom. So for eight weeks, four hours every Wednesday, I went to Valley College in a classroom with about 40, 18 to 25 year olds that had no desire to even be there. And a professor that took the opportunity, rather than teaching, to preach political views and all sorts of stuff, it almost killed me. Actually, I think my wife Sherry took the brunt of it because she had to listen to me every Wednesday when I came home. At any rate, that's the backstory. About a year after graduating Biola, I started to travel the path of running for the third district office of the LA City Council. The councilman was about to be termed out, and he and I had worked together on many projects in the community for many, many years. And many people believed it was a very winnable election for me. But I was on my knees praying, looking for an answer from God every day because it would mean I'd have to stop coaching football and I'd have to sell keyboard concepts, which I was willing to do, but I was trying to make sure this was truly the real plan. Well, one day I was invited to Azusa Pacific University to give a couple lectures on Christian business ethics. And after the first class, I was, all the little varmints are leaving, um, come on, it's the truth. Um, the very last one came up to me and said, I know you. I never thought I'd see you again. I said, well, help me out, pull your hoodie off. He said, I'm Josh Morgan, and I was in that English class with you at Valley College. I, I remember you, Josh, how are you doing? He said, well, he said, you saved my life. Your encouragement and support changed me, my attitude. My motivation. I buckled down, I got better grades, and I got a scholarship to come to school here and to play football. Thank you. I said, no, thank you. <laughs> so we hugged, we exchanged contact information. He left. The professor standing next to me said, I've never seen anything like that. What is it you said to him? And I said, I have no idea. I excused myself, went out in the hall, and called my wife, Sherry, and said, I just got my sign. God wants me to continue to work with young men. City council will just have to wait. And I have never slept so well. But the crazy thing is that several months later, the city redistricted, and my council district was no longer District 3, and therefore there was no election. Coincidence? Absolutely not. I I do not believe in coincidence. But what an awesome indication of how we must keep doing our part in this world as best as we can with a thy will be done focus. While practicing a constant willingness to get on our knees, having the ears to hear and the eyes to see, and the faith in knowing how much God loves us, and believing God has a plan for each one of us. And through our faith, God will provide all that we need so that we can live in this crazy, loud world as that light on the hill while glorifying God in all that we do. Two final thoughts this morning. The first is from Proverbs 16.9. In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. And the second from Jerry Sitzer when he writes, God has enough trouble getting us to do his will, guilty, without making it hard to find. If you are willing to be guided by God, you will discover that he will lead you step by step. And in the end, you will be what he wants you to be. You will go where he wants you to go and you will do what he wants you to do. And especially on a Sunday like this, loved ones, we must understand that this applies to us corporately as a church even during times of transition where the future is perhaps a little shaky and unknown and perhaps uncertainty brings about a bit of fear or concerns, we must continue to be the good and faithful servants practicing thy will be done because in the end, we will be what God wants us to be and we will go where God wants us to go and we will do what God wants us to do. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for the opportunity that we had here today to get into the Word, to perhaps just inch slightly closer to a better understanding of the real depth of the grace and mercy and love that you bless us all with. I ask now for each one of us to recognize all the opportunities you present and then the strength and the courage to act upon those traveling the path for which it is you desire we travel. And may we be reminded in all that we do that it is in your glory and for your glory. And all of this we pray to you to our son, your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Amen. Would you please stand for our hymn of dedication number 697 America. America. Another. Give it a squeeze. They're still alive, right? <laughs> and what an awesome reminder that with Christ's love and the body of believers, no matter what the path is that we travel, we're never traveling it alone. So now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, depart to serve. Amen. Thank you.